This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you would do if you had an extra hour in your day? Would you meditate? Would you go for a run? Maybe you'd just like to rest for a while or take a nap. Therapy can help you find and prioritize what matters most so you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, develop coping skills, alter negative behaviors, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash insight hour today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash insight hour. Welcome to the Joseph Goldstein Insight Hour. This podcast is an expression of our shared interest in self-discovery. Join Joseph as he shares his deep knowledge of the path of mindfulness. If you are interested in supporting this podcast, please go to BeHereNowNetwork.com slash Joseph. I'd like to talk about one aspect of our experience that is so predominant and is so determinative of much of what happens in our lives and an aspect that even though it's so predominant we rarely pay careful attention to something that you're very familiar with and that is how to relate skillfully to all the thoughts or images that are arising in the mind. You know, as you've seen, and how almost anybody's seen who just sits down even for five minutes and meditates, <coughs> become aware of the proliferation of thought in the mind. And ordinarily, in the course of kind of our ordinary life, I'd like to talk about one aspect of our experience that is so predominant and is so determinative of much of what happens in our lives and an aspect that even though it's so predominant we rarely pay careful attention to something that you're very familiar with and that is how to relate skillfully to all the thoughts or images that are arising in the mind. You know, as you've seen, and how almost anybody's seen who just sits down even for five minutes and meditates, <coughs> become aware of the proliferation of thought in the mind. And ordinarily, in the course of kind of our ordinary lives, these thoughts come, we get lost in them, caught up in them, often act on them, and even when we don't act on them, they still have the power to condition strong emotions within us. So it's a very powerful force. But what's so amazing about applying mindfulness to thought as an object is that when we see that 
when we are mindful that we're thinking, the thoughts have no power at all. We see them as just this very passing, insubstantial, empty phenomena arising and passing through just like a sound arises and passes through. And yet when we're not aware that we're thinking, they have this incredible power in our lives. You know, our thoughts are saying, go here, go there, do this, do that. And we just follow along like puppies on a leash. <laughs> you know, and that's, our lives are just the unfolding to a large extent of our relationship and our acting out of all the conditioned thoughts that are arising. So it's really important, an important part of the practice is to hone our skill in becoming aware of thought as they appear in the mind quicker, kind of closer to the beginning. Now, I think we've mentioned earlier that uh, as we observe thought, we see that we often become aware of them after they're over. We reckon, oh, I've been thinking, you know, and we're looking back at it. Occasionally, we can become aware of the thought in the middle. And when the mind is quite clear, we can be aware of a thought just as it's arising. So this takes practice, you know, including thought as an object of meditation. So we're strengthening our ability to be aware of them as close to the beginning as possible. As with so many other aspects of the practice, there are different levels of attending to thought. And each level has its own benefit, has its own use. So, for example, the first thing we might want to do, and you probably have been doing this to some extent, is simply being aware that we're thinking. So a thought arise in the mind, and as soon as you become mindful of it, at whatever point, whether after it's over, in the middle, at the beginning, there's a simple acknowledgement, and the acknowledgement is strengthened, the habit of awareness is strengthened, uh, by using the soft mental note, particularly with thinking. Uh, I think that's one of the arenas where the mental noting is particularly helpful. And so simply to make the note, thinking, thinking, we're actually acknowledging, yes, this is what's happening, and then coming back to whatever the anchor is. The next level or step, and this you could begin doing this today if you haven't already, is to become aware more specifically of the very common thought patterns. What are the, what are the top ten tunes? You know, they just keep coming back again and again. And for each of us, they may be different, although I think it would be surprising to realize how much is in common in terms of the patterns of our thoughts. For example, how many plans have you made since you've been here? You know, and so planning, that's a common, common tendency. Uh, and they're very seductive. You know, they, they really uh, pull us in to all these future fantasies of what we need to do or want to do. So to keep an eye out, planning mind, and to make that specific note when you see it. 
So you're reinforcing the mindfulness of that pattern. And because it's a common pattern, it will be very useful, you know, very often. It might be the pattern of judging, either judging others or judging oneself. That would be really useful to see, so that we don't get identified with those judging thoughts. The judgment itself is not a problem. You know, it's a conditioned habit of mind that we almost all of us have. The problem arises when we're not aware that it's there and we're identified with it. And so we're giving, we're giving the judgment energy from the inside. You know, and we're strengthening it through our identification with that thought. Instead of seeing it as simply a thought arising, passing, when we're seeing the impermanence and emptiness of thought in that way, the content doesn't really matter. It does matter, the content is very important, when we choose to either identify or act on the thought. Because that's where the discernment of which thoughts are skillful, which are unskillful, is so important. But from the meditative perspective, we're just watching the phenomena, the flow, the passing flow of phenomena, and we're seeing thought just as another arising phenomena, the content is not that important. In fact, it's not important at all. It's just something coming and going. The reason for naming and labeling, making a soft mental note of the predominant patterns for us, will help to keep the mind in that place of openness and non-identification with those patterns that arise most frequently for us, that are most seductive for us. All this clear? So really look, just see how planning, judging, commenting, remembering, you know, a lot, a lot of our thoughts are really just about past and future. Uh In fact, it would be interesting for you to just uh, not exactly keep count, but <laughs> just out of interest in the back of your mind to see if you can become aware of just how many of our thoughts are past and future. You know, and it'll really give a strong indication of uh, the challenge of staying in the present given this conditioning of our thought patterns. Um, So the next level of awareness of thought, we go just thinking, thinking, (coughs) first acknowledgement, and then when we feel a little uh, somewhat comfortable or understanding or easeful with practicing mindfulness of thinking, 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 then give a little more attention to the kind of thought you know, of the predominant, the predominant patterns. And you can give a more specific label. There's a third level of attending to thoughts. And it's the one which in some way I find the most interesting. And that is 
when <clears throat> when there are a lot of thoughts happening when this you know we're we're in a stream of thought that would be a particularly good time to ask a question of oneself that almost nobody ever asks it's a very unusual question for people going through life <clears throat> and the question is you know as we're just in this stream of thinking to ask the question what is a thought now what is the thought saying so we we've dropped from that level from the content but what actually is a thought as a phenomenon uh, to me this is fascinating <laughs> because it's such an interesting phenomenon when thoughts are happening and we're asking the question well what is a thought what what is this we see quite quickly this this does not take years of practice to see we see how ephemeral and empty and insubstantial a thought is you know we're just sitting feeling the breath feeling the body a thought arises and if we're attentive you know to the fact that thinking is present well well what is that it's actually little more than nothing it's just this tiny little energy condensation into words <laughs> something like that there's not much there and we can see this we can see when we're mindful of it you know we see the thoughts and just in that moment of awareness it often will disappear because we're not feeding it we're not identified with it we're not lost in it so this to me is what's quite remarkable as a particular phenomenon that when we are unaware that we're thinking the thoughts dominate our lives there's such a powerful force in our lives they're directing us it's like they're little dictators of the mind and yet when we are aware of them we see that <laughs> there is really almost nothing there it's just this little burst of thought energy that comes and goes and has no impact at all <laughs> so it shows you know in a very immediate way the power of mindfulness without it we're just lost in our stories and with it we can see thought itself as being so empty and insubstantial and transparent and without much power at all so i would suggest if if you're interested in this investigation instead of seeing a proliferation of thoughts as a problem you could just use that time since thoughts at a particular time may be predominant that would be a good time to really look you're having lots of opportunities to ask the question oh well what is this what is a thought and and it's not so much the purpose of the question is not so much to come up with an answer so it's not 
This is not really a metaphysical question. The question is simply a way of directing the mindfulness and the awareness just to look directly at the nature of thought itself as a phenomenon, not the content. You know, on this level, it's not about the content. It's just about what the thought is in itself. So these are a few of the levels, you know, if if you're taking interest in, in this arena, these are some of the levels. First, just to be aware that you're thinking, then acknowledging acknowledging the content of the predominant pattern, planning, remembering, judging, whatever. And third is, okay, well, what is a thought? You know, just just explore, uh, you know, out of your own interest in this. There are a few other elements of working with thought that can really uh, enliven your practice. First, to to become aware of what your habitual response is to becoming aware that you've been thinking. Okay, we're sitting with the body, with the breath, with different sensations, everything that's been described, we're kind of opening the field. Thought comes, we're not aware of it, we get caught up in the train of association, we're carried along for a while, and then at a certain point we wake up from being lost. It would be interesting for you to see, okay, what's your first reaction when you wake up from being lost? One, did I mention this last night? (laughs) Ringing a familiar bell. First reaction is often just rushing back to whatever the object is, you know, or a normal anchor. We wake up from being lost in a thought back to the breath. So that's kind of a normal, normal response. Or we wake up from being lost in the thought and then have, even if it's a small little moment of self-judgment, lost again, you know, I'll never get this. There's a third alternative which will turn all of that around. And that is understanding that for as many times as you've been lost, exactly that many times do you wake up. Because nobody's lost in thought forever. And so pay attention to that moment of going from the delusion or ignorance of being lost, where something's happening and we don't know that it's happening, when we're lost in the thinking process, right in that moment, that moment of transition from being lost to becoming awake. That's a very powerful and instructive moment because we can experience directly, not theoretically. We have just gone from ignorance to wisdom from delusion to awareness. We've actually just had that experience every time we wake up from being lost in a thought. So don't just skip over it. 
actually highlight, oh, being lost felt like this. Being awake feels like this. So we're highlighting the difference in our experience of these two states, of being lost in a thought or being aware that we're thinking. And so it gives us a very (coughs) uh, immediate understanding of what awareness is, of what ignorance is, of what being lost is, of what being awake is. And, and, and again, this, this, in these moments, this is, this is not conceptual. We're actually having that experience. Uh, so every time you wake up from being lost in some thought chain, It would be helpful if you could recondition your habit going from self-judgment, lost again, to appreciation, oh, awake again, right? Highlight, (laughs) highlight the experience. Oh, I've been lost and now the mind is awake, it's aware. And if you're really connected and paying attention to what that wakefulness feels like, as opposed to kind of the delusion of just having been lost and caught, there is a great delight in all these moments of waking up. Uh, So you can have a sitting and you could almost turn your whole uh, assessment machine around and is <laughs> almost appreciating all the many times you've been lost when you're highlighting that each of those times is also a moment to appreciate the wakefulness. Oh, good. Awake again. And then the mind brightens. So that could give you many moments of delight in a sitting. Because we get lost a lot. But instead of emphasizing the lost part, emphasize the awake part. And it it really energizes the practice. And it's a reminder of what we're doing here. It takes us us, uh, beyond the practice as a technique to the practice as a vehicle for direct learning about our experience. So we're going from the methodology of mindfulness to what we learn from being mindful. And this is a powerful learning. This contrast between, and, and real understanding the difference between ignorance and delusion and wakefulness and awareness. And it's right in those moments of transition. It's just in that moment when we wake up from being lost that this becomes very, very clear. So, so this will be a very rich domain you know, for you to explore. And we'll go on in subsequent days. There's a very, there's a very direct connection between 
thought and emotion. You know, and so then we'll, in the next next few days we'll be talking about including all the emotions that are arising in the practice as objects of mindfulness meditation. So then it gets very rich, you know, exploring the whole emotional terrain and how we relate to the emotions, whether I, we're identified with them or not, what conditions different emotions. You really begin to understand that dynamic of thought and emotion, and how they're mutually uh, interdependent, conditioning each other. Uh, so there's a lot. It's, it's an incredibly rich practice, you know, as we open up to all these different arenas of our experience. Okay, so you can just take your comfortable posture. Settling into the body, there is a body, creating that larger framework, and always keeping it very simple. Just there is a body, feeling yourself sitting, and whatever arises within that frame of there is a body. often naturally feel the body breathing, because that's always going on. Letting the breath be however it is. It's not a breathing exercise. It's an exercise in awareness. Not pulling the next breath in, but letting it find its own time. Mindful of any particular bodily sensations that call your attention. Opening to them, feeling them, seeing how they change.
I just want to leave you with a, a mantra of continuity that you can use to remind yourself. Very simple. It's a two-word mantra. Each step. That's the mantra. Each step. So just remind yourself to be mindful of each step. This works against the tendency, the very slight energetic tendency to be rushing or leaning forward or when we're ahead of ourselves each step. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you would do if you had an extra hour in your day? Would you meditate? Would you go for a run? Maybe you'd just like to rest for a while or take a nap. Therapy can help you find and prioritize what matters most so you can do more of it. It's a great way to increase self-awareness, develop coping skills, alter negative behaviors, and more. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash insight hour today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash insight hour.